Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Throughout recorded history, there have really been two general groups of people. People who have a thing, and people who would like to have that thing. The original solution, I guess, to this situation would be, you have a thing I want, I hit you in the head with a stick, I take the thing. As civilizations have advanced and we've moved past those days, we entered what I consider a phase that has continued to this day, and that is the barter system or transactions. The only thing that's really changed in the past several thousand years is the thing you have and the thing I can give you in exchange for that thing. Somebody who deals with this transactional narrative on a daily basis is my guest on today's podcast, and that is Chris Barnes, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Solutions for Gladson. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sean. You know, the other thing that has changed dramatically, especially in the last few years, is not the the transaction itself, but the language that we use to conduct the transaction. I believe the proper term would be marketing. That would that would be an appropriate term for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about this. You've been in the industry for for half a minute. You've seen some massive changes over the last couple of years. What is the thing that has struck you most in the past couple of years? that would represent a seismic change in the way retail is actually conducted? Well, well, for sure, you think about this one big Goliath out there, his name is Amazon, right? He's for sure disrupted kind of the way, not both, not only the way that manufacturers and retailers have to do business now, but think of us as all, all of us as shoppers, right? Whether we shop our grocery online, whether we're, you know, how, an Amazon Prime member, all of us today are shopping differently because of the, that guy named Amazon, right? Um, and we want that product really quickly. We want that product to be exactly what we want it to be when it comes to us. Uh, and if that's not the case, then you know sometimes we return those items. So uh, Amazon for sure has disrupted all the way that we all do business today. One of the ways that I have always looked at at retail and marketing is it's literally another language. Much like uh, when your kids go to school, they're in junior high and high school, they start to take foreign languages, maybe take German or French or Spanish, and it's a second language. The language of marketing and retail is a very subtle, separate language. And I'm curious, as someone who lives in that universe, is there slang that pops up in marketing and retail, much like there is slang in any spoken language? Absolutely. Um, and, and again, our friends at Amazon have also created a lot of that slang, right? They they use this term called A plus content, which is kind of their speak for this is the holy grail for how all products should be articulated and communicated. Um, but as we all know, whether we shop at one store versus another store, those products can be represented in a different way, right? You're not trying to go after the same shopper at Walmart than you do at Amazon or at a Kroger versus a Walgreens, right? So there's certain slang that each one of these retailers that are using, but for sure, um, you know, the marketing content that's being used and the and the slang of A plus content is certainly one of those that's prevalent right now. You have to keep an eye on changes, obviously. And I would imagine you probably live, I don't know, what, six to 18, maybe even 24 months in advance. You always have to look to the future to to help provide solutions and, and really 
to stay on top of what you do for a living. You can't, if you're thinking about something that's two months from now, you're too late, I would imagine. How is that window expanding? Do you have to start thinking even further in the future? Are you going to have to be 36 months in the future within the next couple of months? Uh, yes and no. I think for sure you, we always need to be thinking about, you know, a year, two years, three years out there. But with this space changing so drastically overnight, who knows what we might think 36 months might be prevalent in 36 months. Uh, you know, some startup company or some other solution or technology company might already have in their in their uh, you know wheelhouse to come up in the next two months. So certainly we have to be pretty adaptive to, yes, be forward thinking, but also be able to be pretty nimble on our toes if that technology all of a sudden surfaces. So you know, it's our job as solution providers to be on top of some of the trends that are coming up with like shoppable recipes or, you know, everybody else always thought this online grocery shopping thing was a fad a year ago. Gosh, look where we are right now. Well, let's talk about a couple of those trends. Um, let's start off with the trend of information or data. Um, uh, that's a huge buzzword. Everybody wants data. They want to collect more data. And as you've mentioned, Amazon is leading the charge in gathering all of the data with regard to our shopping preferences and things that we like, things we don't like, what works, what doesn't work, what gets clicks, what gets traffic. So that trend of data comes with a bit of a pitfall, doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, big data isn't always the best. Um, a ton of our different retailers always want the most amount of data they can get their hands on. The problem is some of them don't know what in the world what to do with it once they have all that. When it comes to product information, which is where we have a specialty, sometimes just having more data isn't always best. Uh, think about think about a retailer's website. Um, if you're a consumer and you're checking that out and there's nothing but text after text and bullets after bullets, are you really going to be engaged there? So there's got to be this happy balance and medium between quantity of data, but also quality of data, right? Is it the right information? Um, and that's what we're also hearing in, 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 when it, in retrospect when it comes to all data. Big data is good, but you know, really quality data is also pretty, pretty much 1B on the priority list. Yeah. And what you do with that data leads me into our next trend, and that is, how do you use that data to present your product or service in the best possible light? I would imagine product transparency is really starting to take up a majority of your energy. Absolutely. And and I'm not sure, Sean, if you or anybody in your household have food allergies or allergic to anything, you know, certainly I'm, I'm pretty lucky I don't, but we always joke about our, you know, our CEO is allergic to poultry and, you know, any kind of turkey or fowl that he would have, you know, <laughs> could potentially put him in uh, some pretty bad light. You know, we think about all the allergies that are out there or not even just allergies, maybe it's food restrictions or it's dietary and lifestyle changes that people want to abide by. Uh, the food that we put in our body or on our body or just that we're around, uh, people want to know what is in those products and, and not only just for food items, right? Think about anything that you're buying, whether it's a blender or a vacuum or a power drill, right? The, the information about that product is pretty important because if you don't get what you think you're going to get, um, for sure, you might be wanting to return that item or you might have bad brand loyalty or you might not come back a second time to buy that product again. You know, a, a perfect example of uh, the dangers of 
of not having enough transparency is what's happening with uh, Pratt over the last couple of weeks. Um, I wonder, is too much choice too much? I mean, I like having freedom to choose. I like, I personally like having seven different types of peanut butter to select from. I'm lucky enough to not have a peanut allergy. I like, you know, maybe today I want this brand or, ooh, maybe I'll get chunky this time. But it, with so many choices, then that puts an incredible burden on the consumer to do the research necessary to make sure they do choose something that fits what they need, but also what their lifestyle requires. Yeah. And sometimes too many choices. You're right, Sean, right? Sometimes too many choices is too much, but it's also the responsibility of some of these retailers to help guide their shoppers through how to find those best products, right? Or it's on the brand to make sure that they're promoting their items with the best marketing claims, right? We are GMO. We are peanut-free allergy. We are low sodium. So how do these brands and retailers, you know, help guide that shopper through that journey? Um, same thing. You come to a website. You know, it, Amazon sells hundreds of thousands of items. How do you search for the items that you want, right? You go to the search bar and you say, I want, you know, uh, chunky peanut butter, right? And they'll probably give you the items that they feel best support your needs based on maybe a profile that you have. So certainly there's, there's an opportunity for these brands and retailers to better understand their consumer and shopper better. And it's all about personalization as well. Well, one of the ways to, to help that engender that trust or to build that personalization is something that you've been working on called the content experience hub. Talk to me about how that can filter out the crud that I don't want to see and that doesn't work for me. Absolutely. So we've launched this new SaaS-based platform called the Content Experience Hub. And we've heard from so many of the different companies that we work with, both on the brand side, the distributor side, the retailer side. They all struggle um, with product information and making sure it's updated, it's accurate, it's complete, right? It's well representing exactly what those products are all about or what's in those products. And in any traditional grocery retailer specifically, think about how often those products change, right? Nutritional contents change, packaging changes. So we, we were up against this problem that everybody's coming up, like, how do I keep up with all that? And so we've created this application that helps them bring all that content into one uniform repository and location. And then with all those changes that are happening, instead of it being an Excel spreadsheet here or a system there, they can make those updates and changes, not only within the tool, but make sure all their retailers have all that updated information as well. So when then their shoppers are looking for that data, they have the, the most transparent, up-to-date content at their fingertips as well. So now retailers normally have thousands of products that they can choose from, but once they sort of build their personal list of stuff that we're going to carry, then they have to even drill down even farther into the details of each individual item within any given, within any given verticals. I'm really curious about the challenge that retailers are going to run into as these larger companies acquire other large companies. For example, Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods. How does that affect Kroger? What's Kroger's next move? What about Best Buy? How does Amazon buying Whole Foods affect the way Best Buy sells, you know, Surface tablets, for example? 
Yeah, so I think they're all trying to to make sure they're one up. It's a big game of leapfrog, if you will, Sean. Right? So it's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a or a game of checkers or chess. Right? At, you know, they're they're trying to anticipate the next move. Um, you know, everybody in now, if you don't do home delivery or if you don't have buy online, pick up in store, you're obsolete. Right? Uh, a year ago, nobody had that beyond Peapod and Amazon. Um, so certainly, that's kind of the big play. But you know, when it comes to kind of what are what are some of these other companies doing, they're figuring out how to differentiate. Like, how do they serve the customer first? How do they give the customer or the or the shopper the best shopping experience, regardless if it's in a store or on their website, on a mobile device, on a tablet? And again based whether you're 50 or 30 or 18, right? Your shopping behavior and the way that you you interact with a brand or retailer might be different. So they have to cater to all those potential shoppers. And again, it's it's a very big game of Tetris to figure out how those pieces come together. Um, but some of these guys are, are figuring out like, what is the next technology they do? How do they speak to their consumer better? How do they cater to all the different, um, like you said, all the different nutritional facts that all their shoppers may or may not care about? And so that's what we're kind of seeing as well. It's funny that you mentioned Tetris, because when I think about e-commerce specifically and the game of LeapFrog that you mentioned, it seems like it's just one huge video game. It really does. And so it, it it seems like today, if you don't have a focused e-commerce push, that you are as behind the times as a company that would not accept a personal paper check 40 years ago. Absolutely, Sean. If you look even 24 months ago, the name e-commerce would never sit in any type of personnel roster at a manufacturer. Um, you know, you might have somebody in charge of category management or digital, and digital was all-encompassing of everything, right? You might not have somebody devoted purely to e-commerce. It might be more in the specialty, uh, a sales guy. Uh, even at retailers, you wouldn't have more of an IT person um, or a digital person, you would not have so many devoted to e-commerce. So we're seeing people really doubling down on the investment, not only from a personnel, but from a technology. And they have to, as or you said, they become obsolete. Now, there is an interesting bleed between e-commerce and physical locations. And so I, want, I really want to get your opinion on the fact that we say e-commerce, usually we're referring to web-based transactions, but that behavior, the the way that we interact with a website is starting to, to bleed over into the way we interact in the physical space. A perfect example that I always like to use is Warby Parker, uh, specifically an online entity that now has physical locations and the weird thing is the experience you have in a physical location for Warby Parker is just as smooth as the interaction you have if you just went straight to the website. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think of some other examples too, Sean, right? It's funny you see some of these brick and mortar retailers trying to get really better at e-commerce. But then you have some like an Amazon trying to create physical locations with their Amazon Go or with their their new store in New York, which is his best sellers, right? So both of them are trying to figure out how they have a consistent 
um, and frictionless shopping experience across both media types. But but we do know that you know that you're not not everybody's going to be able to figure out both of those. And like you said, like some people might be in store and be like, oh, it's not it's not here on the shelf, but I really want it. But you know what? I don't really need it right now. Maybe I want to ship it to my house, or maybe I want to ship it to to the store and come back and pick it up. Or hey, I'm about to go out to the store. Um, can they have it ready for me by the time I get there, and maybe even come loaded into my car for me? So everybody's trying to figure out how do they try to bleed the two interactions together. It's really an interesting mix. It's it's a it's an evolution. It is a change in the way we buy stuff. Yeah, and it's going to become even you know easier for us. You know, you know, one part of me wants to say we're lazy <laughs> as shoppers, but the other part is that we as consumers just want um, accessibility and we want uh, the product right now, as you kind of started off the, the discussion with, right? They, they, they want the product, they want that exact product, and they want it right now. So give it to me uh, and give it to me the way I want it at a great price. Um, and, you know, that, that, that shopping behavior is completely changed. And who knows what the next, you know, 12 to 24 months will be. Maybe I'm, you know, be mind reading, thinking about the product. And next thing you know, it's going to, you know, pop, pop up in, you know, my news feed or my Instagram feed, right? So the, the, these technologies are getting smarter about how do they interact and make sure you get that product quickly. Well, I have to say, I don't know about you, but I have just an innate sense of guilt. I don't think I could ever comfortably shop at an Amazon Go because I would always feel like I was shoplifting if I walked out without handing somebody my card or my cash. <laughs> uh, so they just opened one here in downtown Chicago. Actually, they just opened up two. Uh, I went there about two weeks ago and it was a very unique shopping experience. I went there for lunch and, um, you know, you, you mentioned Pret. Usually I've been a Pret guy. I get a sandwich and a, and a bag of chips and maybe a cookie. And I said, you know, let me try to replicate that same shopping experience. And and certainly, I thought the ease of coming in, you download your app, right? You, you connect it to your Amazon account, really easy to do. Um, but I was actually, you know, I, I wasn't overly excited about the assortment or the pricing. I know some people might feel differently than 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 I do, but um, I thought the experience in the store was, it was okay. Maybe I need to get better used to it. But I, I'll tell you, you're spot on, Sean. I felt like I had to look over my left shoulder and right shoulder to make sure there was nobody from security that was going to come kind of grab me by the shoulder when I walked through the turnstile on the way out. Yeah, I definitely don't want to get tackled by some guy because I walked out <laughs> holding a chocolate chip cookie. I don't want to be assaulted <laughs> over a dessert item. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, today it's been my pleasure to have an illuminating conversation with the Senior Vice President of Strategy and Solutions for Gladson, Chris Barnes. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Likewise, Sean. Thanks for the hosting us. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.